Cheers. 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 <laughs> Hello, welcome to Pour Me a Mozart. This is Steven. Hello. I'm Asia. Um, and before we get into the drink or what we will be listening to and talking about today, um, Steven, why don't you just kind of tell the six people who are listening uh, a little bit about yourself? <laughs> Well, I am a professional student. Mm. Um, I'm right now. I'm working on my PhD in behavioral psychology at the University of Nevada, Reno, hoping to finish up in the next yeah, year or so. Nice. So that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing a really cool project for mm -hmm. your PhD. Can you? Yeah. So we we actually um, it's it's following up on a study we did last year. We're using virtual reality with uh, medical and nursing students. Um, this next, for my dissertation project, we're going to be uh, bringing together physician assistant, physician assistant students with nursing students and putting them into kind of virtual simulations where they've got to transfer patient care from one person to another. And we're going to look at how effectively they do that and like how, the, how effectively they communicate with each other. Yeah, I think that's just super cool. And you got to be featured on the news like last year. Yeah, right? yeah, they did but a little I'm... segment on our study last year. It was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was really fun to watch. Um, so you are not in the field of music, but... I'm not, no. <laughs> I you, like music. <laughs> great. Um, I know you did band in high school. Steven and I have known each other since high school. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a long time ago now because we're old. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That was like two years ago. What? <laughs> um, I've done a lot in two years then. <laughs> um, so why don't... Like, tell me a little bit about your musical background and experience. Um, really, I more of a of a listener than anything, uh, especially these days. Um, you know, I I went through. I tried playing a couple different instruments when, like, I was in middle school, maybe even freshman year of high school, but that didn't last very long. I'm not very musically talented. <laughs> well, uh, okay, so the word talent is like kind of a buzzword. For ah, me. I okay. don't believe in talent. That's actually a good point because you can learn anything. You can. Including musical technique. Exactly. But I mean, if you're not interested in it, that's where I think like talent, talent in quotes mm -hmm. really comes in is like if doing the work is fun for you. Sure. Yeah. Like practicing and all that stuff. And if you have the motivation, I think that's more mm -hmm. um, what makes people talented or not. And that's actually interesting. That came up. We're going to talk a little bit about prodigy Ooh. Um, when we get into our piece and the composer. All right. Um, so something else, just like a little bit of a get to know you, because I realized I didn't do that in the last two episodes. I was just like, hi, here's this person. We're drinking and we're talking about this. Ready, go. Um, <laughs> so just like another get to know you kind of question. Um, we're both really into Harry Potter. And yes, we are. And the Wizarding World just released an app with a new sorting quiz. It wasn't really new. It was like pretty much the same as Pottermore. It was, yeah, it was like shorter and animated. Yeah. I thought the part where you got to choose your animal was kind of cool because you had to like move your phone. That was. To you see could it. go in like the different rooms and yeah. check out all the different owls and cats and stuff. Yeah, I just clicked on cat and I didn't expect to like have more options. So <laughs> right. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I was cool. like, well, obviously cat. Whoa, there's choices. I know. That was really fun. <laughs> more choices. Yeah. Um, but. What house are you in? I, and I am repping my house with a shirt today, sure I'm in Ravenclaw. Yeah, because you're all clever and a career student. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over here being a Slytherin. <laughs> but anyway. Um, okay, so our Ravenclaw brought the drink 
today. I did, although it matches your house more than mine because it's it green. This, this is true. Um, so what are we drinking? We are drinking mojitos today. Um, this would be even better if it was like nice and warm out, <laughs> yeah, but it is not. Really not. So we're kind of drinking room. it. Yeah, we're kind of <laughs> drinking it ironically at this point. I guess, yeah. Which is fine with me because these are delicious. <laughs> they are very tasty. So what is in a mojito? We've got our fresh squeezed lime juice. Mm. Uh, as my parents say, liquid gold. Liquid gold. Not to be confused with Felix Felicis. Okay. <laughs> Although that's liquid luck. It's just gold color. I mean, luck could be liquid gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've got some liquid gold lime juice. <laughs> we've got some delicious mint in here. Some sugar cubes, not just granulated sugar. Mm -hmm. That was an Asia tip. Hashtag bartender. Oh, that was me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, when I bartended, I think we just squirted some simple syrup in there. Womp womp. I know. We didn't have time for sugar cubes. <laughs> and then some rum. Rum. And, of course, the club soda. That's That was my contribution. Asia yes. mixed up these drinks, and <laughs> I topped them off. I helped. Yeah, you did help. Um, so <laughs> the reason the club soda is at the end is because you can't shake right. club soda. It will go everywhere. Which seems obvious, but um, when I was training and as a bartender, they made sure to tell me that. So I was like, well, how many people have messed up in the past <laughs> and made an even bigger mess behind the bar than... <laughs> well, we saw how that club soda bottle almost erupted everywhere when I opened it. Yeah, they almost always do that. <laughs> we had our soda on a gun, which was like... Yeah, that's nice easier fast. to do. Yeah, just top it off. <laughs> Um, so our last two episodes, and I don't think I told you this, this is not a requirement, but our last two episodes, the drink had like kind of loose ties to the piece. Okay. This, um, email us at twincitysymphony at gmail.com if you can find a connection between. That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's the Instead challenge. Instead of us telling you, you tell us. Yeah, please. <laughs> I would love to hear what you have to say. So if you can find a connection between a mojito and... Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Five, um, which oh, I love Beethoven. Um, I like to say he's one of my favorite dead Germans. Um, <laughs> almost all of my favorite composers are dead German men. There's like a few Russians. Mm -hmm. They're all dead though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Five is Opus 67. If you're into Opus numbers, that just means the order it was published. Okay. Um, so people use those sometimes because. Um, Beethoven didn't write, like, Symphony 1, then Symphony 2. Like, there's string quartets and piano concertos and stuff in between there. So you can kind of figure out, like, the entire order. Maybe mm -hmm. not the order he wrote them, but the order they were published, at least. Okay. Um, and this was written in 1807, and um, it has been nicknamed Fate. Um, and it's in the key of C minor. So it's all, like, the um, Technical jargon. Yeah, technical <laughs> jargon. Um, so this... Ooh, can you play the first, the very beginning? You've, you've heard this before. Yeah, you've heard that before. Many a time. Many a time. <laughs> um, like, car commercials come to mind for me. I don't even know how many movies I've heard that in before. Yeah. 
several. For sure. Yeah, so um, before we dive a little bit deeper into our fifth symphony by Beethoven, I wanted to um, just give a little bit of background about Beethoven. So Leonard Bernstein, um, in his book, The Joy of Music, um, the first chapter opens with um, <laughs> imaginary conversations, which I must have skipped that page the first time I read it, because I remember like there's YB, which is younger brother, LP, which is lyric poet, and then LB shows up later, and it was just very confusing to read. But then I realized most of this was happening in his head. Mm -hmm. um, the younger brother keeps asking if anyone has any gum. And I was just like, what? I, what? Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the lyric poet, um, they're, they're driving, they're on a road trip, says, these hills are pure Beethoven. And um, he starts arguing with himself, like, why? Why are the hills Beethoven? Why is Beethoven the one that you use to describe these hills? I mean, what he meant to say is that they're beautiful or mm -hmm. like inexplicable in their majesty or beauty or whatever. But then he goes and picks apart like all um, all points of music that you would find pleasurable, like um, the melody, the harmony, rhythm, counterpoint, orchestration. And he points out that Beethoven was bad at all of them <laughs> and then it was like well so what's left and um i wrote that i would read from the book but it's like uh sorry bernstein kind of pretentious so i'm just gonna sum it up <laughs> with um what beethoven did really well was um you know you start somewhere and what follows is just inevitable like you mm -hmm. can't imagine something else being there and we'll actually get into that a little bit more but it's the inevitability and like how well structured everything is and then the very last bit of it um he finally launches into like this longer paragraph long explanation and then the response is but that's almost a definition of god and then he responds with it was meant to be <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's true um mark and i were talking before <clears throat> the podcast like mozart is known as like kind of the king of classical music. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was great. There, there are so many great, great composers. Um, but Beethoven was the one, and it was, oh, I have to remember all the way back to music history from like sophomore year of college. But there's a library where they wanted to, in the entryway, put um, composers around like the circular hall, like the entrance hall, mm -hmm. but they couldn't agree on the placement or importance of certain people. I think they wanted to do it chronologically, but the one name they could agree on was Beethoven being like smack dab in the middle, um, which is true. Beethoven, um, wow, I'm going like, I'm jumping all over my notes. I'm sure I'm going to miss something. Um, but he had an early period, which was very much classical and in the style of Mozart, a middle period, which is where... Um, Symphony number no. five lies, and then a late period where he's like completely deaf and just this angry, angry man. I mean, he was kind of like angry mm -hmm. all the time. Um, but he wrote um, nine symphonies, and his ninth symphony, which was his late period, um, was so great. I think I talked about this in the first episode of the podcast also. Um, it was so great that um, other composers didn't premiere their symphonies until he died. Wow. Yeah, he changed so much. It was, um, <clears throat> like, first off, he had the biggest group ever, mm -hmm. um, a full chorus in a, diff 
addition, <laughs> in addition <laughs> to the symphony. And then there's four vocal soloists that show up in um, the fourth movement. And that's the Ode to Joy. You know, oh, I, yes. You've also heard that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so nine symphonies in totality. Compare that to Haydn, who's been known as the father of the symphony. He wrote 107. Mozart, the king of classical music, wrote 41. Beethoven only wrote nine. Wow. And then after that, it was like kind of cursed. Um, Mahler wrote 10, but he died while writing his 10th symphony, so it's unfinished. Okay. Um, Brahms only wrote four. Sibelius wrote seven. Schubert wrote nine or 10. Um, I wrote a question mark. I don't remember why. Um, <laughs> but his eighth is unfinished. And that's um, uh, sometimes people put words to um, the melodies. <laughs> the one to remember the theme from Schubert's eighth symphony is this is the symphony that Schubert wrote and never finished. <laughs> Original. <laughs> I know. Oh, there's a, a piano trio that like. The theme is answer the telephone. And then I got to hear it performed right after they told me that. And I was like, I can't enjoy this anymore. <laughs> so I'm sorry if that's a piano trio that you truly enjoyed. Or maybe it was a, it was a piano quartet. Anyway, not important. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about um, who Beethoven was as a person. Um, he was baptized in 1770. Um at the time, it was tradition to baptize a baby within 24 hours of their birth. So we're pretty sure that he was born, I think it was December 16th, because he was baptized December 17th. And then he died in 1827. Um, Beethoven incorrectly assumed he was born in 1772 and, like, actually, like, fought people about it. Not, like, with fists, but, like, <laughs> or maybe he did. I don't know for sure. I know when I was born. I know, but he, like, he got his own birth year wrong. Um which kind of makes sense. He had an alcoholic father um, and then two brothers that survived into adulthood. Um, but his father like really pushed music on him mm -hmm. and wanted him to be a prodigy just know. like Mozart. And Mozart um, had his recital debut at age six on the piano and like, I know, right? Like, I what even, was I doing at six? I was probably running around my yard screaming at toys and, I don't know. Playing in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> making a mess. <laughs> I, I don't think Mozart had time to play in the dirt. <laughs> Sounds like he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so Beethoven's father wanted him to have, like, a Mozart-like career. Um, so he had his recital debut. He advertised him as being age six, but he was actually seven. Uh -huh. So, like, no wonder he was confused about when he was born. <laughs> like, come on. Um, and unfortunately, his recital didn't receive any press, even though, it, like, apparently it was wonderful. But oh. poor buddy. Um, oh, oh. I know. <laughs> so, all right, to dive into this actual symphony, um, the last two pieces that we did on the podcast were not exactly standard symphony form. Mm -hmm. So this one is <clears throat> kind of. <laughs> um, it's is it? <laughs> <laughs> no symphony is standard. <laughs> um, but it starts, it's the standard four movements. Mm -hmm. um, our first movement is in sonata form, which means there's an exposition where you hear theme one and theme two, and then the development where you hear the first and second themes um, in different keys, typically the dominant key. Um, or five, and which makes you kind of feel like elevated a little bit. Mm. And then um, the recapitulation or recap, 
where we bring it back down to tonic <laughs> or one um, and you hear the themes repeated again. And this one happens to have a coda, so like a little extra ending. Um, the second movement is a slow movement and this one is a theme and variations. Um, the third movement is a typical minuet form. It's typically called the scherzo movement, which means joke. Um, it took me a long time to understand musical jokes. And this one I think is just like, I mean, it's kind of dark. Remember where mm -hmm. it's the fate symphony. Um, so it's not like, it's not quite as funny. <clears throat> and also I think Beethoven was just so like angsty and like, Angst, angst, angst. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, he was just so angsty. Like, he didn't... I hate to say this about one of my favorite dead people, but maybe he didn't have that much of a sense of humor. Um, and then the fourth movement is usually another fast movement um, in sonata form, and this one has an extended coda, which was kind of typical of the time. Um, the one thing that's not typical of the symphony um, in, the, like, the standard form is that the third movement plays directly into the fourth movement. So there's no break there. Okay. Um, that's really the only thing. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth movement is the first use of piccolo, which is one of those tiny little flutes, um, three trombones, and contrabassoon by Beethoven. A contrabassoon is like this crazy huge instrument. Like a bassoon is that double reed mm -hmm. instrument that's kind of long um this is bigger and lower and it's like all wrapped up and like so it's just super fun to carry around i'm, I'm sure, sure. <laughs> i don't i don't have to do it <laughs> but yeah i'm sure it's just a delight to carry around <laughs> um so yeah those four musicians just kind of sit around until the fourth movement which is fine because they get to listen to some like truly beautiful music. Yeah, from a good spot in the house. <laughs> from a good spot in the house, yeah. The stage is the best place yeah. to hear symphonic music. Um, so in a video by Leonard Bernstein, um, How a Great Symphony Was Written, um, he kind of goes over the revisions of the first movement that Beethoven wrote. He was um, trying to find where they fit in, and they sound so weird. And I think that is because of, like, Beethoven's inevitability and in what follows. Um, we played this, um, we did a Beethoven cycle at Louisiana State University when mm -hmm. I was getting my master's degree there. And we played this, and we played one of the revisions. And let me tell you, the rehearsal where we, it was like those opening few bars that everyone's so familiar with. Um, the first time we read the revised part... Um, it was a hot mess. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, like everyone was expecting something different, and then we were like, wait, hold up. <laughs> Got to play something else now. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting to play that and see like what the symphony could have been. So I highly recommend that um, video by Leonard Bernstein, How a Great Symphony Was Written. You can just search that on YouTube. Um, another cool thing about that concert at LSU was... Um, the, all of the student athletes at LSU had to take music appreciation. And as part of that class, they studied pieces and then they went to concerts. They had to like check in. And I remember seeing the entire football team sitting in the back of the concert hall while we were playing this. And I was like, oh yeah, they're going to love the first movement. But then there's like a lot more that follows. There's movements two, three, and four. And I was like, sure. as I was playing, I was thinking like, oh, I really hope they're not bored. Um, but you'll hear the fourth movement is just so triumphant and like, a true delight to listen to. Um, it was so cool to play that concert. They like, 
stood up and just like erupted with cheering and clapping like oh, right at the awesome. end of the concert. Yeah, and that was like the first time that I had always kind of dismissed this piece because it mm-hmm. is so familiar, but like there's so much more to it and like why dismiss things that are familiar and that people like. Yeah. Like what was wrong with me back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Asia. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with me now? <laughs> um Okay. So let's actually dive into the music. So we'll listen back to that first track and we'll go from 48 to a minute and one second. That was our second theme. That was fun. Yeah, it, it is very really fun. like upbeat. Yeah, it's a lot brighter than the beginning, but you still heard um, this time in a major key mm-hmm. the the theme. The da, 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 da. Um, oh, one of the the things that Bernstein argues with himself about, or excuse me, the lyric poet in his book <laughs> is like he made an entire symphony based on four notes. That's impressive, right? Like. But, like, if you think about it in, like, its most basic terms, that could be supremely boring. Yeah. But it isn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's our second theme. Um, and then we'll listen to our next sample. This is one of my, um, and we'll only listen to 40 seconds of this, this one. Um, but this is one of my favorite move or moments in the, in the first movement. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> That was that was I like the the little uh I'm gonna use not technical terms because I don't know what I'm talking about. The yeah. the transition mm-hmm. towards the beginning. It was yeah. a little fun and then boom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part about that is the oboe is just and this is actually a, a really great recording. I'd heard things from the oboe that I had never heard before in other recordings. Um how like it's kind of climbing up above the orchestra and mm-hmm. then it's like Here's my moment. You're going to listen to me. Um, and that's like one of my favorite moments in this symphony. Um, and it's like, it's such an oboe player thing to do. <laughs> um, and also what I really like about this recording is um, the tone of that oboe is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you get like a little bit of that edge to the sound, which is good in certain moments but this is just like crystal clear and like warm and embracing and yeah um so that little oboe interruption can be a little bit more abrasive and this was just kind of like 
it's a beautiful moment, but still, it's like the oboe's like, I'm Listen yay. to me. Yes. It's my turn. <laughs> we both pumped our fists. <laughs> you can't, can't see that, but... Um, you can imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the ending of this movement, which you will not hear, um, Beethoven... Yep, sorry, I've been talking about Bernstein and Beethoven, so I was like, did I say the right name? <laughs> um, Beethoven uh, rewrote the ending three times. And the first one he discarded because it was too abrupt. Okay. Um, the second one I think he thought was like maybe too flowery and long. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. This is all in the Leonard Bernstein video. He talks about this. Um, but the third one and the one that ended up being in the symphony is actually even more abrupt than the first. I guess he was like, and we're done. <laughs> Not abrupt enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> um, so this is the music that people are like really familiar with. There's not, I mean, maybe the second theme isn't in as much of like the car commercials where you only have like 30 seconds, but the rest of it is like, we know this music. Mm -hmm. There are three more movements. And so we're going to move on to the second movement where there are two themes and then we get variations on those themes. Um, Why don't we just listen to the first theme? This is from the very opening of the second movement. So that kind of reminded me, like, just listening to I started picturing, you know, like those older, I don't remember if it was like Looney Tunes or some cartoons where it was like some cartoon characters like skating around on the ice making all these crazy cool patterns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's That just a... kind of sounded like music that goes along with that. Yeah, that that's not an image I'd thought of before, but I really like that. Bomb drop. Mic drop. Bomb <laughs> drop. <laughs> Let's not drop any bombs. No, no. <laughs> I am anti-dropping bombs. Mic drops I'm cool with, though yes. I don't know if Mark would be happy. Maybe not these mics, but... Mics. We'll find a different one. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, like, it's it's really beautiful mm-hmm. and, like, pretty serene. Yeah. Um, and just, like, Minnesota's about to be... Winter is coming. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, so this movement is really cool in the way that... Um, the cellos and the basses kind of up to this point in um, classical music had always been playing the same music. Um, but the cellos actually get to be a little bit more active and they're actually doubling the violas. Um, yeah. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So the violas get to shine a little bit too. I yeah. mean, a Not lot. as much as the oboes. <laughs> <laughs> or the first violins. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of music up until this point had been written so that it's like, a first violin mm-hmm. showcase, and okay. then everyone else is just kind of supporting it. And like the oboe gets their moment, the flute will get their moment, mm-hmm. clarinet sometimes, um, horn and trumpet, of course. Actually, ooh, I don't, I'm not sure there are trumpets in this symphony, but <laughs> watch me be wrong about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
it's just kind of cool that like they get to have a little bit more action. Yeah. Yeah. So let's listen to um, the second theme. This is not the first time you hear it, um, but it is a variation on it. You caught me mid sip. I no, I. I, I That's <laughs> what this podcast is about. Yeah, right. You got to have some some uh, drinks while you listen. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked how that one started out very triumphant and then just kind of like eased out a little bit. That was fun. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure those were trumpets. I'm usually really good at this, but now I'm, like, second-guessing myself. Um, Google will tell you later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, watch all my music friends be like, Asia, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's super triumphant. Um, and then as it kind of, <clears throat> as the energy lessens um, in the bass, if you listen really closely, it's very soft. But you can hear, do 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 <laughs> and that's that like it kind of feels like a heartbeat yeah but also that's from the first movement the da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. and we'll hear that kind of tied together throughout all four movements um four movement symphonies are not always as clear and connecting each other but usually there's like some like really loose connection like how mojitos fit with beethoven five <laughs> <laughs> That I can't wait to hear what people right, have to say again, about that. Listener challenge. <laughs> listener what is the connection? Challenge. You will win something. My affection. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the second movement. Um, it's it's very very beautiful. Um, and when I, what I was mentioning about the cellos and violas earlier, um, I think I've mentioned this in the previous episodes. Sometimes there are. Um, when we take orchestra auditions, there are excerpts that we play from certain symphonies. And the second movement of this symphony is one that's on like almost every single ah, so that's viola like, or cello audition. You gotta know this. You gotta know it. <laughs> uh, the violinists have a much easier job <laughs> in this movement than the violas and the cellos, which is which is nice. We just get to enjoy their hard work. <laughs> <laughs> you get to appreciate, bask in their their talents. Yeah, exactly. Their skills. <laughs> yes, their skills. <laughs> their skills and their hard work. Yes. Um, so we're going to move on to the third movement, which um, which opens with kind of a whisper. It's like Ooh. this is one of those moments where it's Shh. yeah, where it's really cool to hear this in a concert hall. I do a lot of my listening in the car, mm-hmm. and this is one of those where you'll like press the next track and then you'll be like wait is something happening I can't hear and the road's just like (laughs) or like the pothole I hit over here with (laughs) thought I broke my tire (laughs) (laughs) I did not (laughs) oh good Um, yeah it opens with a whisper so if you can like make yourself a mojito and like sit down on your couch at the end of the night and like drink it and listen on like a really nice bluetooth speaker like headphones Mm -hmm. um then you can hear how it opens with a whisper. But what we're going to hear now 
is right after that opening when we hear our fate theme again. Okay. Yes, I definitely heard that fate theme. It's pretty in your face. Right right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and those are the horns playing that. And um, even though I played the trumpet back in the day. <laughs> I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. I played I, the I trumpet was... like all through high school. I... <laughs> Steven. Well, you know, I learned something new every day, right? That's that's, that's like... the Ravenclaw way. Yeah. That rhymes. So I've learned, hey, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I did not know that. Well, I, did. I thought you just played violin. Oh, well, thank you for recognizing the true me. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually kind of an identity crisis because I was like a band geek mm-hmm. playing trumpet in high school, and then like going to college, I was like, wait, I don't do both. And like being in youth symphony too, I was like, here I'm a violinist. And then at school, I was like, here I'm a trumpet player. And like it's they have very similar personalities. It's very Slytherin, and like I'm the best. <laughs> but <laughs> well, at least you fit in both places then. This is true. <laughs> While you were going through your identity crisis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the French horn is actually my favorite brass instrument because they like they have that um that quality of the trumpet but it's a little bit softer and like more of a round sound Mm. um i feel like musicians are really weird and we talk about sound having shapes Shapes. but also colors like we talk about like what kind of color are you going for here Mm. and i feel like to other people they're like i don't what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> We're listening, not painting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I like that. That's, you know, like transcending the different senses and the way mm-hmm. you guys can talk about that. That's that's something that's unique for you, you know? Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And actually, the first time visual art made sense to me was in music history when um, we had this amazing professor, Dr. Kelly Harness, who would shout always... Out. Shout out. Um, <laughs> who would compare... Um, artworks from the time mm-hmm. um, of the pieces that we were listening to. And I was like, oh, I do get like makes sense. what to look for in that art. But because yeah. like visual art is not like if it's realistic, I'm like, that's good. And if it's not, I'm like, I think that's bad. <laughs> I feel like uh, that every time I look at like visual art, like go to a museum and look at paintings, I mm-hmm. feel like uh, Cameron from from Ferris Bueller's Day Off just like standing there <laughs> and staring and staring. Steven's doing and a staring really good Cameron staring. impression right now. <laughs> the look is perfect. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, uh, sound like like uh, shape and color. Oh, yeah, and the French horns. They're, yes. I mean, beautiful French horn music. Um, another, I, okay, I truly love all of the woodwind instruments. I love them all equally. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I don't care for Job. <laughs> Earlier that day. I don't care for Job. <laughs> but no, I think all of the woodwind instruments are... Um, are great, and there's a really great clarinet moment that this recording does a really good job of capturing. Um, as you hear, like the I'm so glad I'm singing on this podcast. I probably won't listen to this episode. Or just like fast track through those ten seconds for sure. But you can hear the clarinets and their little like falling notes. The do 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 do. 
hand gesture is like my cat hand gesture too. You know what that reminded me of for some, and, I, and I'm going to regret saying this, but baby shark do do. Oh no. The hand gesture. That's just, <laughs> it just did it. Uh, now now that's stuck well, in my head. I hope that, well, we'll we get something else. We got to play some better music <laughs> than that. Yeah. So let's move on to the next part. So, um. Part of a minuet movement or a scherzo movement is that you have, like, the opening, Mm -hmm. and then um, you have what's called the trio. And usually it'll go minuet, trio, and then you'll return to the minuet. So let's hear the beginning of the the trio section. All right. going to do that on the podcast though. What? You're not going to like let out a nice loud belch on your podcast? Nope. <laughs> you got to get to know me better for that. <laughs> oh and yeah yeah you can you, you've got some good ones. <laughs> I'm sure the six people listening do know me pretty well. <laughs> They're my closest friends <laughs> and my parents. <laughs> Hi mom and dad. Hi. Um, this mojito is like kind of hitting me. Right? I'm not going to lie. It's delicious. It is delicious. I mean, you were the one who was like, three ounces of rum. And I was like, two and a half might be like a lot. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Three ounces. Oh, how do you like the half ounce of lime? It's it's not what I'm used to. I'm used to a stronger lime flavor, but Mm. it's good. Yeah, well, maybe Um, I'll do like an ounce. Um, (laughs) So back to the drink. I guess we'll talk about the music. (laughs) Wait, Um, there's music? What? What? (laughs) Um... But usually you have, like, less, um, we'd call this a sour in, like, drink components. So you'd have, like, mm-hmm. the strong is your, like, rum, and then you might have a weak liquor or liqueur, which yeah. you don't have in a mojito. Um, I guess That'd the sugar kind of makes up for that. Um, <laughs> there might be some liqueurs that would be really good in a mojito. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, like, a little bit of sour, which mm-hmm. is the citrus. You want to say something about the music while I try to burp away from the microphone? <laughs> I kind of just want to watch you try to burp. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's gone now. The urge is, it's passed. So anyway, that was like pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. There's, um, so not to like get all orchestra audition-y on no, do it. everyone. Um, so the, the scherzo movement of Beethoven's third symphony, Eroica, which, ooh, that would be another good one to do. Um <laughs> There's, like, kind of a crazy backstory with that one. Um, mm. But that's the one, Beethoven 3 is typically the one where the scherzo is asked for in orchestra auditions. But mm-hmm. I feel like at this point, um, like, that scherzo sound re- sounded really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I've played Beethoven 9 a few times, and I've always thought, like, this is also really hard. Like, this should be on auditions. And also it would, like, throw everyone off because mm-hmm. a lot of the more standard excerpts we've been playing, like, since college and so, like, they're really not the challenge that they used to be. Right. It's just like the bread and butter of, of audition music. Yeah, exactly. But there's a certain comfort to that. Like, if I look yeah. at an audition list and I'm like, I know all of these, then I'm, like, way more likely to take the audition <laughs> than if it was, like, all unfamiliar. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, after you hear that, like, really exciting music, um, it'll go back to the minuet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll kind of start with that whisper again. And then this really cool moment. Um, 
the third movement transitions directly into the fourth movement, which as a concert goer, um, that's been really confusing to me in the past Mm -hmm. um, before I understood a little bit more about form. So hopefully um, this will help you understand the difference between the third movement and the fourth movement. Um, The pulse changes. The third movement is it's a dance Mm -hmm. and most dances from that time were in three. So you're like, here I am singing again, which is so great. Um, And then um, the fourth movement is in a binary. I'm saying a more pretentious term because I can't remember if it's in two or four. Um, But now I just outed myself. (laughs) Well, you've covered your bases while outing yourself. So, you know, we're golden. (laughs) So then you feel you feel the heartbeat of the music in a little bit of a different way. And that's a that's a clue that the movement has transitioned from one ending one to beginning okay. and then also this is just like really obvious when it changes um it's like kind of dark like a little dark mm-hmm. and then it's like bright and in your face so so novice question mm-hmm. when it changes when there's like the break between how long is that break usually like when it happens oh yeah um so usually <clears throat> between like so the first movement and the second movement mm-hmm. um the conductor will like put their arms down and like if anyone needs to like turn their page, it's, it's just kind of like you need to give the audience to like a moment to just kind of like accept what happened. Kind of settle like, and prepare for the next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is a good time to talk about this too. Um, I feel like the reason that a lot of people think classical music is stuffy is because they don't know when to clap when they go to a concert. Oh yeah. Do they clap during that break or is that like not standard practice? Or? So it's not standard practice. Okay. Um, but honestly, it kind of feels douchey. Um, <laughs> Mark, I'm not sure if I want you to edit that word out or not. I'll make my decision later. <laughs> um, because it makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, like, to just like have silence and yeah, they're or I mean, like this extraordinary like music is being played. And do we wait? Do we yeah. clap now? Yeah. Oh, well, just last weekend, I went to the Minnesota Orchestra concert. Um, and oh, this amazing soloist played um, the Saint Sans Violin Concerto, the third violin concerto. Mm-hmm. And the first movement is very flashy and very exciting. Mm-hmm. And like, there was a smattering of applause. And like, if you've been to Orchestra Hall, that it's that hall with all the cubes in the background, so sound travels yeah. really well. So you could hear just like a little, little <sighs> bit of applause. And there are conductors who will turn around and like shush the audience for applauding Mm -hmm. um and also like the fact that not everyone is clapping makes the few who did feel really uncomfortable and i've gotten to a point where it's like if you like it just clap for it yeah like especially here in minnesota like um (laughs) i'm in in sports like first and foremost a hockey fan but it's kind of if you've ever been to a wild game like Oh, man, not since high school. The fans are so awkward. Like, they try to get cheers going, and we just will not do it. And it's like, if you're excited about something, why not just just show it? Yeah. Don't, like, wait for other people or be like, oh, is this is this wrong? And, like, people don't feel that way at a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we do because we're in Minnesota. But, like, in a we're, concert We're very hall, passive-aggressive in Minnesota. We are. <laughs> but this, is, this isn't just a Minnesotan thing where, like, a few people will clap between movements. Like, if you like it clap for it. Yeah. There was um, a long time ago when I was an usher at Orchestra Hall, there was someone who would go to all the concerts and he had, I think he would go on like Thursday nights and he was the Bravo guy. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as the 
the concert ended, he would be the first one out of his seat and be clapping and he'd just yell, bravo. And it's like. That's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting to hear from the stage yeah. too. Like when, Oh, I can imagine. Even even if it's a short little break, you know, hearing some recognition for the work that you're doing and the the effort you're putting forth, that's got to feel great. It does. And um I've played a few movie concerts and those ones feel the best mm-hmm. to play because um well, like the shining moment of my orchestral career so far was actually playing Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oh. Oh, it was so great. And the conductor before the concert encouraged people like hiss if there's a bad person or someone you don't like or something bad happens mm-hmm. and like cheer if you see a character that you like or something good happens. And like to have that happen. That's cool. It like was so audience cool. interaction. Yeah, it was really fun. And I knew that everyone who was there really wanted to be there, mm-hmm. which like I remember going to classical concerts as a kid and kind of being like, well, oh, this is going to be really long. And I have to be really quiet. <laughs> so I always wonder, like, when people go to these concerts, like, are they being forced mm-hmm. to go by someone else? Like, yeah. who, what percentage of the audience is, like, really into this and really wants to be here? And what percentage doesn't? And, like... What percentage is on the fence? Yeah. Yeah. Like, who's in the middle? Maybe they were the football players that had to go for class and they really loved it. Yeah. Because they were like, on the fence at who first. Who did we turn around? Right. Like, yeah. And that's just really cool um, to think about. But... Yeah, so back to clapping between movements. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes, like, after the second movement, I think it would be appropriate to just kind of, like, sit back and, like, maybe feel your feelings. But mm-hmm. if there's something, like, really triumphant, like the first movement, like, just clap after it if you yeah. like it. And, like, don't be shy. Yeah. Because the musicians want to know that you liked it, too. I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm over the shaming culture of, like, clapping between movements. And actually, that was a newer practice because people would record concerts live. But, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day when there were CDs, kids, CDs are disc-shaped. These are actual, like, physical things that have, like, you know, less than 30 songs on them because <laughs> they have such small amounts of memory. Yeah. And, like, they can break versus, <laughs> like, a digital file is not going to break. You can't even see a digital file. You can't even see that. Yeah. And you can carry it around on a little flash drive so tiny oh, and you, you can know just, like, lose it in the your pocket or something. <laughs> we just outed ourselves as millennials because I think, actually, oh, this started with it. records. <laughs> I will say I've never... Which are also disc-shaped. I will say I've never owned or played uh, a record before, although my friends have. Some of my friends have. Um, so maybe you're dating me, although you're only, like, a year older than me. I know. You're dating us a little bit more than I'm dating us by talking about records, <laughs> yeah. but... <laughs> but that's where this practice started, because you'd have, like, an A side and a B side on the record, mm-hmm. and they only had so much time, so they asked audience to stop, audiences to stop clapping between movements, because if they added that applause in, because it, you probably know more about this, Mark, but there was no, like, pause function either in recordings. <laughs> so it was like you just had to kind of, like, right. keep trucking on. Otherwise, you wouldn't fit an entire symphony on one side of a record mm-hmm. or whatever it was. So it's a newer practice, and it can it can leave. If you like it, clap, cheer, whatever. Go whatever for feels it. right to you. Public service announcement. Clap if you like it. Um, if you don't like it, then you can just not react please (laughs) (laughs) okay anyway so back to beethoven (laughs) let's hear um the transition between the third movement and the fourth movement
ended there. The next part is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I could, I mean, on our end, I don't know if they'll hear it, if the listeners will hear it, but there was that half second little yeah but, but I could totally tell it was the it, it was switching to the, from the third to the fourth mm-hmm. I mean that little half second gap helped but yeah Mark's good he'll edit that out I could totally hear the difference <laughs> yes it's <laughs> so clear and usually it is well I mean if it's like a quiet movement going into another quiet movement mm-hmm. like um a extra listening assignment for our listeners <laughs> homework time yeah homework time Shostakovich <laughs> Shostakovich's eighth string quartet um, is, I think, is in five movements, and they're all what we call ataka, mm-hmm. um, which I think translates to attack. But I like, yeah. <laughs> but it just means like go straight through. Okay. Um, some of them end really quietly and also <clears throat> begin really quietly, and it's it's really hard. They're pretty seamless transitions for the most part. There's like I think the second movement is very violent. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just like a little. Um, extra incentive to listen to it if you're um, the kind of music appreciator that I am. It's very dark and stormy. It's um, uh, supposedly Shostakovich's suicide note. So it's like he's dealing with some some serious super stuff. fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, fun. <laughs> that was heavy sarcasm. <laughs> Yes, I know. <laughs> and the first word I thought of, I was, I was gonna say something else, but you know, we're we're keeping it clean. Oh yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you for doing that. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, just an extra listening assignment if you are also feeling that way. He did not kill himself after that. Oh good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he continued to write a little bit more. Um, anyway, but yeah. So the beginning of the fourth movement. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed once I figured out where it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That it sounds like a, a man. This mo mojito is like confusing my train of thought. There. <laughs> the three ounces was a good idea. It um, was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. I, I liked the the change, and besides being able to identify it, um, it's it's just. Yeah, it sounded fun. Yeah, what other words would you use to describe besides fun. the mood? Besides fun, <laughs> which you've used to describe that and also suicide. <laughs> well, that was also a very snap second edit on my part. Yeah. <laughs> um, ah, it, it just it feels like it's it's building towards. I, I'm I'm excited to hear the ending. Um, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to play the ending. Oh for my you. gosh. I'm, I'm going to leave right now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, I'll look it up on my own then. There's I told my you to listen assignment. beforehand. I also did not because I wanted my reactions to be for the first time. Okay. Instead of like, oh, I remember practicing this at home. <laughs> practicing, <laughs> practicing what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's fair. Um, but I'm yeah. trying to keep it real for you, Asia. Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> Which is different. So the first episode, my guest, Shane, I didn't tell him anything about the piece. Um, when it releases, you should definitely listen to this episode. I will. He'll be one of my six listeners. <laughs> seven um, now. Oh, seven? Well, because you were saying six earlier. No, Unless but you're, you're including I was including oh, you. Okay. I was already expecting you to listen. Um, but yeah, I didn't tell him anything. And he kept saying, like, man, I should have been more prepared. And I was like, I didn't. I intentionally withheld from yeah. you. So maybe I'll just, like, make it your choice. Like, here's what we're listening to. Um, you can listen or not. I like the surprise. You like the surprise? It's fun. Well, sometimes surprise... I don't know what to say. Sometimes I do. Hey, whatever you want to say, just like whenever you want to clap. like Clap. 
quiet. <laughs> After the next sample, I expect applause. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think that sounds very heroic, mm-hmm. triumphant, um, exciting. Yeah. Like there's something to look forward to. I like to. all of those words. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I just came up with them. <laughs> Actually, I'd written heroic down last night. <laughs> um, so it's not, wait a second. Mm. <laughs> it's not 100% heroic throughout the entire movement. And I think this next sample, wah, wah. I think this next one is like a little bit of the darker side okay. of this movement. So we're going to Kylo Ren this up. <laughs> Love it. Maybe it's because I said this before we started listening, but I heard like some now vague similarities between some of the trumpets? Question mark. Those were, I think, horns. Horns. I looked at the score, but I didn't look at it very closely. I heard some. Or maybe they were the trombones, like finally having their moment. Maybe it was a little too low for trumpets, though. Whichever one of those wonderful instruments, whichever one of those brass instruments it was, (laughs) I heard. Vague similarities between that and, like, the Kylo Ren theme music. Right? When he's, like, storming down off his ship all mad and in a huff. Yeah, so I heard that, too, which, when I was listening to this last night, it wasn't a connection that I made. Um, but John Williams, who wrote the music for Star mm-hmm. Wars and Harry Potter and... Oh, so many Didn't he movies. also do E.T.? I want to say Yes. 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 <laughs> We're getting the nod, yes. Yeah. He's done, like, many movies with truly great music. Mm-hmm. Um, John Williams is a very highly educated composer. I um, Another listening assignment. Um, homework time. Homework time. Um, <laughs> it's got to be like a soundbite you use now. <laughs> it does. Um, but... Um, Gustav Holst's The Planets, Mm -hmm. which I would love to do an episode about, but I was talking to my um, account manager at the licensing place, and I think Holst is outside of the realm that I can do. Um, But if you listen to specifically Mars and Jupiter, so the planets, each of the movements is about one of the planets. Oh, okay. uh, Minus Pluto, because Pluto hadn't been discovered at the time that it was written. And now apparently it's not a planet anymore. Well, I think it's back in debate. Is it? It is. Last I, I now I get this information from Rick and Morty. <laughs> I don't care enough to Google, uh, but there's an episode where they talk about this. Yeah, so a few years ago, Pluto was like kicked out of the Planet Club. Right. But I think now they're like sad Maybe... Pluto. I know, poor buddy. Um, but I think it's a cold, cold celestial dwarf. It's very cold and very small. <laughs> on like a celestial scale. <laughs> yeah, that tiny little place. That's like. It's, like, smaller than Maine. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, why was Maine the first? I don't know. <laughs> that was um, an interesting first, uh, first comparison. State. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the planets, um, specifically Mars and Jupiter, are, well, and Mars especially, um, 
great listening assignments, super fun pieces to listen to. Um, but that's where a lot of the inspiration for Star Wars comes ah. from. And Holst is an English composer, but I've also heard remnants of Star Wars in, um, I think it was a Saint Sans piano concerto who's French. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we just heard like a little bit of that flavor in Beethoven, who's German. So like John Williams, man, like he knows his stuff. Like, yeah, he does. He's listened a lot. And um, one of my mom's favorite quotes um, she also went to school to be a composer. Mm-hmm. So she's like studied all of this stuff. Um, I believe it's originally Stravinsky's quote, but it's a great composer doesn't borrow, they steal. <laughs> and John Williams has certainly like made these things his own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of Kylo Ren and that <laughs> musical excerpt, <laughs> um, we can hear the fate theme. Mm-hmm. Um, something we talk about in um, music theory is how things can be reversed or put upside down. And so instead of being the falling, da, 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 mm-hmm. we hear da, 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 which is a rising theme, mm-hmm. but we still have those three notes, the three short notes followed by a longer note. That And that's, I think that's what I was hearing because that's how his Kylo Ren's like theme music starts. It's like da, 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 da. Oh, I need to get more familiar with the new movies. Oh my gosh, episode nine is coming out in like a couple months. I am going to die. <laughs> um, same. I don't know what I'm going to do when there aren't going to be new. I call these well, ones the real Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars movies. Yeah, versus like one, two, and three. The Jar Jar Binks Chronicles. <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, not even that, but like um, Rogue One. Oh, or like, yeah. Like those the like, spinoffs. Yeah, because now it's Disney. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, Disney, I love you. Hashtag heart Disney, but also, <laughs> but also like, I don't cashing I, in on that spin. I know. Money. Like I just wanted nine episodes. <laughs> right. And well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's been a while since I've looked at this, but I heard maybe in the, sometime in the past year, they were considering doing another three and I'm like, Mm-mm. but why we're getting nuts. This is Yeah. But why? No. But for why? Exactly. But like the plan was nine. This one is going to be your plan. Your nine symphonies, right? You'll exactly. You'll die writing the tenth one. Oh, maybe like that'll Mahler. happen. But then it's Disney, so they'll just get somebody else. Oh my God, what if JJ Abrams? Oh my God, no, no, no. Oh, we're, we're not JJ jinxing JJ. As long as he's great. involved, still. Because isn't George Lucas still writing them? Oh no. No. Oh no. He just owns the rights to the characters. Uh, I think he sold those too. I don't know, but JJ's writing. Uh, oh, well, he's, he's writing this new one, which is like. He's going to fix Ryan Johnson's mistakes from the last one. Oh, really? You didn't like the last one? It was okay. I don't know. Like, Leia flying through space that was, a little weird. was real dumb. Not going to lie. Like, come on. Oh, speaking of silence, though, one of my favorite cinematic moments ever was when, um, who's that um, Captain Lieutenant person, what's her name? Captain Lieutenant person, what's her name? <laughs> Here, I thought you were going to tell me the answer. Do you know? Are you talking from the new Star Wars movies? Episode. The one with like the purpley pinkish hair? Yes, the Last Jedi. Oh, man. Uh, Anyway, I have seen it twice because I was a little disappointed with it. So I don't remember her name. Like, the movie won me over when she went light speed through that Mm. Star Destroyer. Oh, man, that was intense. I was was like, I saw it coming. 
and then no one had ever like there's never been a light speed collision before in Star right. Wars and I was like oh man oh I know what she's doing and that was so cool oh and when it was just silence like, silent like silence carries so much potency yeah like that was so amazing oh and I was so upset too because the people right next to me just started like talking during the silence Ugh. but I saw it twice maybe three times in theaters mm-hmm. and the second time I saw it like no People one said anything quiet. and I was just like this is Thank amazing. You. Well and it's also like much more realistic than the entire rest of every Star Wars movie <laughs> in space because like, spaces are, are like right? Yeah. Space is a vacuum and there's no sound in space. Yeah. They're like <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean of course that's not very cinematic when you've got these big old big old space battles and right. explosions and stuff, but like right. Space is silent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of, you know, have you ever seen, like, an original Star Trek episode? Uh, I don't think I have, actually. With William Shatner? No. So the opening is, um, you know, the theme music, and then there's ships that, like, fly across the screen, and mm-hmm. they all go, um, and they tried it without that sound effect, and it was just, like... <laughs> Super boring. It was really dumb, apparently. <laughs> so as dumb as, like, the sound effect sound in the middle of their theme music like <laughs> they had to do it <laughs> and as unrealistic worked. as it is it just makes for good watching <laughs> i know oh gosh the original star trek is just good for watching in general <laughs> the only thing i yeah no i definitely haven't seen original star trek i've just seen like all the the shows making fun of like william shatner captain zog you know oh, like how he talks yeah, no it's great <laughs> like it, it's not like great well produced tv it's just really fun to watch <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Beethoven. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Right. Um, so, yeah, remnants of Star Wars and mm-hmm. John Williams and his brilliance. Like, truly a great composer. Yeah. Um, we only have one more, one more sample to listen to. So should Ooh, we listen? Let's do it. on a really intense like escalation it was just like bam (laughs) yeah so um that's where the recapitulation or the recap would start because we're going back to the first theme and the opening that we Mm -hmm. heard um so that builds back to the first theme and then we hear um a really extended cadence which is typical of the time in 1807 Mm -hmm. um at the very end of the piece which is another self-exploratory thing that you get to do homework homework um, I forget how we were doing that earlier. Same. I think it's changed every single time. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, but you get to hear the fate theme, the do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's way more obvious than it was earlier. Okay. So that's the thing that's kind of tied this whole whole <clears throat> symphony together. So any other thoughts about Beethoven? Guy's a genius. <laughs> right? This music is awesome. These hills like, are Beethoven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> These hills are Beethoven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just going to start describing everything I like as Beethoven. My cats are Beethoven. <laughs> Stop trying to make Beethoven happen. It's not going to happen. 
Hashtag Mean, mean Girls. girls tonight. Mean Girls Day was yesterday. yesterday. For those of you who are listening, uh, I, this will obviously not come out. This will be like three weeks right? post <laughs> today <laughs> or <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yes, yesterday was. Oh man, that would have been so funny if we recorded this yesterday. That would have oh, been so been appropriate for that joke. But, but don't you we know what? Mean Girls every day. I mean, yeah. If yeah. you really think about it. Every day is Mean Girls Day. True. But yesterday was October 3rd. It was. What day is it? (laughs) Well, it's October 4th. (laughs) Doesn't work. Well, when I say yesterday, it's October 3rd. (laughs) What day was it yesterday? (laughs) Today, on October 4th, he asked me what day yesterday was. (laughs) It it was October 3rd. (laughs) Somehow that doesn't quite sound as fun. No. On October 4th, Asia asked me what day it was. It's October 4th. I don't like it. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not that good. <laughs> no. <laughs> we suck it. Tina Fey, we stole your joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're not good writers. Womp womp. Boo. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. That was that. It was delightful. It's, it's a really good piece of music. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you would like to say about it? Um, I will now, ha- well, now I have my homework assignments. I'm going to go home homework and finish time. them. Homework time. <laughs> all right. I'm excited to hear the end. Oh, good. Of all of the movements, because I didn't play the end of any of them. <sighs> You're leaving me hanging. I know. I'm, I'm just like keeping secrets <laughs> over here. <laughs> what is that? 200 year old secret. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to hard- search really hard to find out you these sure secrets. <laughs> oh, um. So before we do our final cheers with our <laughs> empty the, the little bit of, like, probably melted ice that's left in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to do a shout-out to the Minnesota Orchestra. Um, they recorded the Beethoven cycle um, sometime before 2013, I think it was. Um, and they have a really excellent recording of the Fifth Symphony and also of all nine symphonies. Um, and their Grammy Award winning... The orchestra is, I think it's because of their Beethoven recordings. Nice. Hashtag Minnesota Orchestra. I know, right? Um, And then the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra is also doing a Beethoven cycle. Um, This year, you can hear... I should have written this down. Um, (laughs) Symphonies 1, 4, and 7. So they're not doing all nine symphonies in Mm -hmm. one year. So check their calendar. Keep keep the people waiting. Keep the people waiting. Waiting. Waning. Waiting. 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 Thank you. <laughs> um, but it'll end, their cycle will end with Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which is truly an incredible piece of music. You'll feel all the feelings. You'll understand why people didn't want to, like, premiere their works mm-hmm. after hearing that. It's like, whew. It's like trying to schedule a, a movie release at the same time as Endgame. You don't want to do that. That's true. Actually, I heard Dark Phoenix like really did not do well. I hated that movie. Really? So much. I still haven't seen it. It was garbage. Oh. Like, Fomke Johnson is the only Phoenix that there is. The only Jean Grey. Uh, this, I mean, Sophie Turner's fine in other stuff. She's no Jean Grey. And they, yeah. they, they done effed up. <laughs> they with done dark effed fe- up. With, with Dark Phoenix. Yeah, my, um, my neighbors who are like my favorite superhero movie critics, um, I actually babysat their tiny little baby while they went and saw the movie and they were like, don't waste your time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. Like, red box it because it's like, what, a dollar or something? Oh, it's, if, oh, it's if on if Netflix or something. If you have to see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is like, maybe it's on 
something I can watch for free. I'm not going to spend any money on it. It'll probably be on Disney Plus. I'm not subscribing to that. Wait, no. Is X-Men on They're Disney? Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And but I think they're Disney in a different... Marvel. They're in a different universe, but yeah. it'll probably be on that platform. But you know what? I bet I Endgame Game is going to include... Endgame Game? Endgame Game. Or End End Game Game. <laughs> the next, like, big movie buildup <laughs> is going to include the X-Men, I'm pretty sure. I've I've heard that they're, like, thinking about that. That'd be interesting. It, I mean, um, Jimmy Fallon called Infinity War Infinity Characters, and it's so <laughs> That <true>. is accurate. <laughs> it's so true. And that would just be, like, too many. I know. Well, um, can we also mention very quick the fact that finally these people at Sony and Marvel got their heads Spider-Man's out of their back. asses yes. and brought Spider-Man back for at least a third one. I know. I because love him after, so Because after the second one with, oh, hello, world, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. You can't end there. I know. That would... Mm, nope, nope, That's, nope. That would have been like a cliffhanger of... And they couldn't do anything. ...all history. And people... Yeah. Oh, my God. People would be so pissed. I'm sure they have been for the past I month was. or so. I, I was. I was so mad. I, you and I have had... really Minnesotan. I mean... <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> mad. I was drinking my milk and I was mad. <laughs> and then I slept on my pillow. My pillow. <laughs> But you, I mean, you read my ranty text oh, about yes. that. Yes, I did. <laughs> I have some good ranty I'm, texts. I'm so glad he's back. He's like <laughs> me too. The new Iron Man. Anyway, we are like really off topic. So like, <laughs> we, we totally like, are. Let's cheers it? with our melted ice. Yeah, cheers. Thank you for having me on. This Thank is a lot of fun. Oh, P.S. Um, rate, review, subscribe. If you don't like it, you can email us at twincitysymphony at gmail <laughs> And tell us how to make it better. Tell us how to make it better. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and probably just there at <laughs> Pour Me a Mozart. <laughs> and um, there will be a Patreon page. And I hope to hear you listening back in the future. Um, can people hear follow? You listening. Hear you listening. Well, I'm not going to see anyone. <laughs> Well, you could see, like, number of listens or oh, downloads true. or something. I hope to see that you're listening. <laughs> um, do you want to give out your Instagram? Instagram? Uh, if you... Or you don't have to. If you are very interested in seeing pictures of Harry Potter things and <laughs> or my morbidly obese cat, Buster... <laughs> Buster. Then you can follow my Instagram if you want. Uh, my username is Stephen Anbro. All one word. All one word. I assume my, I'm not going to spell my name. It'll probably be in the episode description. Sure. <laughs> I mean, if you, it's A N B R O. Everybody, literally <laughs> everybody go. gets it and wrong. Is it Stephen or Stephen? <laughs> Was that the like the? Yeah. <laughs> it is with a V, like normal people. <laughs> like normal people. <laughs> Sorry if any PHs are listening, but. <laughs> but you don't matter. That's, anyway. that's Stephen to me. I don't know. Right. That's how I would read that. Like Phantom. Phantom. F- uh, Phantasm. That's like very closely related. Um, I can't think of many. Are we just phosphorus. Like, we're like really There's two PHs in there. PH, PH words. Phosphorus. Yeah, anyway, and also thank you to Mark. Who, thank you, Mark. Um, I 
incorrectly said in the first episode that I'd be doing all the editing and he's actually doing like a bunch of it. So thank you, Mark, for being on board. Really appreciate it. If you hear a big difference in the quality of recording between episode one and episode two, that's because Mark is on board. If there aren't so 20 minutes missing from episode two. Episode. <laughs> no, I, I found them. He just, oh, good. He just has to re-edit them. <laughs> I missed that part of the story. <laughs> yeah, I, like I had the original files. I'd like done all the work and then, oops, this is why I can't be trusted to edit and like why I appreciate you so much. <laughs> of course. <laughs> anyway, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>